What's up, everyone? This is Dan Cyprian, and I am back for another episode. And this week, I have a, a new person I am interviewing, somebody who means a lot to me, who has impacted my life. Um, and I will introduce him in a moment. But thank you for tuning in uh, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time you are uh, at watching this. Will you not just watch it and listen to it, but will you like, will you comment, will you share it, will you start a watch party, will you invite others to tune in? Uh, because I really believe this conversation is going to not just bless somebody, but it's going to it's going to influence, it's going to inspire, it's going to do so much, it's going to touch your life. I guarantee it. But I want to introduce my my very special guest tonight. Uh, he is an uncle of thirty, and I say thirty or more because he is not just an uncle of thirty three, but he's an uncle of thousands. I know he is a poet. He is an author of eight books. He is a Wall Street Journal veteran and a mo motivational speaker who is originally from New York, and I haven't held it against him when I met him, and I still won't hold it against him now. He now resides in Charlotte, North Carolina. He started his own speaking business, wanting, this is, this is key, uh, that he wanted to st uh, be the Muhammad Ali of motivational speaking, and in the process realized that Muhammad Ali was actually the sporty king of boxing. Sporty King is, to me, coach with a K. I met him on the basketball court when I was in high school. He became my, my basketball coach. He taught me everything from taking a picture on the free throw line to being the man that I was created to be, and I so appreciate him. Sporty King, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome, and end of interview. You just wrapped it all up. <laughs> that, that's it. No, that, that's the, the, the fastest episode ever. I, I, I covered everything, right, in a nutshell. Woo! Yes. Oh God, Chris Berman will hire you now. Right? What is he Man, from <laughs> your mouth to God's minute. ear. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful for you. I, I know I, I try to thank you every time I, I see you or speak to you, but this yeah. is quite a what a special uh, time for me to interview you. I, I, we've got a few things to talk about. I just wanted to not just interview, just to to to, to have a reason to talk with you, but I wanted other people to get to know you because I know okay. you have impacted more than my life. You impact thousands, if not millions of lives throughout your life. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that don't know you yet. They need to know you and now. Me. So uh, let's let's get going, huh? Yeah. Good, good you know, yeah. one of the one of the things you, you, you are originally from New York and mm -hmm. then the word relocation became a reality to you. Uh, let's let's start and talk about that. Yeah, uh, I, I worked at The Wall Street Journal for 18 years uh, when I, after I left college. And after uh, my first 12, no, my first, uh, I gotta do math now, give me a minute. I, uh, after my first, well, whatever. From 1975 to 1984, okay, okay. nine years. Sure. They, they, uh, I got promoted and I got transferred from New York to Washington, D.C in 84 and then uh, as a sales rep. And then in 88, I got transferred to Chicago as a sales manager. Okay. And so um, it, over that stretch of time, and, and then after six more years working at the journal, then I retired and started my uh, inspirational speaking business. But over that 18 year span at the journal, I went from being a messenger to an advertising sales manager, having seven different um, job uh, responsibilities in eight different job titles. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you came to one one big city to another. 
Yeah, and it, and it was cool because you know the funny thing is you know New Yorkers and and I, and and I cracked up in your intro because it, it is so true. And he's from New York, and I still forgive him or whatever it is. New Yorkers, you know, we can have such a uh, a rough reputation, sure. similar to how Americans have that reputation around the world. You know, the ugly yeah. American, yeah. And then in, in America, it's the the mean New Yorkers. That's you know, right. And, and I think that's actually uh, another great great place to whether you start a conversation or get it in the middle. And that is to talk about perspective. Yeah. Uh, you know, because even when we talk about accepting Jesus into our life, you know, you have to know where your life is and depending on your surroundings will help you see how you need God in your life. And, right. and so, so if you don't have the right perspective that where you're coming from, it's it's going to be a little harder to, to because what what is Jesus? It's help, mm -hmm. and and getting help. You know, if you're not open to being helped, then you can't help. And 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 the last thing, you know, you have to think about it. Jesus always said, "Will you come?" You know, when when the doors of the church are open, it's not, "Hey, excuse me, right. uh, <laughs> Messiah, get over here." No, it's, "Will you come?" Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So from so 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 I say that to say from New York to Washington, mm -hmm. uh, Washington is not as big of a city as we tend to think it is. But uh, again, as a New Yorker, having this idea of no place is bigger and better than New York, and then from Washington to Chicago, I was actually a little surprised when I moved to Chicago because I I didn't didn't have a picture of it as. Um, somewhat rural as I thought it was, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 as I found it was. I, I saw it as more city-ish, yeah. but, you know, just how I met you out in the in the suburbs, because mm -hmm. I moved from D.C. into Bolingbrook, Illinois, which mm -hmm. is a suburb, and, and the beautiful green the greenery and, you know, the houses and the space, you know, I had no had never had anybody tell me about that part of Chicago. So yeah. again, perspective. You know, when I met you, I was a teenager and I was in Bolingbrook at that point about four years. My family moved from another southwest suburb of Chicago to Bolingbrook. And I know I was the one that did not want to move to Bolingbrook. I wanted to move to another town by my grandparents because I thought their town was the coolest town. But I thought Bolingbrook was going to be boring and, and all that stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I'm so glad that my parents didn't listen to a 10 year old kid in, in the relocation decisions and when I when I arrived in Bolingbrook I, I quickly learned uh, the true reason why we moved the the, the diversity of, yes. of that town and uh, that's why my parents really wanted to move there because they wanted to raise their children in a diverse city or a diverse town and I really it was impacted because of because of that, uh, where I almost felt like the minority, if I could even say that, because it was so di it seemed so diverse. Everywhere I looked, there was somebody that looked different than me, and I, I loved it. I, I in fact, it's turned me into who I am. I feel more comfortable around people who look different than me, and that's that's great. But when mm -hmm. on the basketball court I met you, I had no idea you were from New York. In fact, I don't think I had that instant judge judgmental attitude that I implied. Uh, mm -hmm. because that's how I was raised. I, I don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, uh -huh. but you didn't necessarily come across like that stereotype. You were, right. you were, I, well, I don't want to, if, if I start saying what I 
think you were versus then then the New Yorkers are gonna they'll blow up my uh my email <laughs> and my social media with all the hate mail. But uh, but Why? You, is that what New Yorkers do? Is no, that what you <laughs> No, well if we're going to talk about Yankees versus the, the, the White Sox or the Mets versus the Cubs, I don't know. But we won't get into that. Let's get on the basketball court. So you relocated to Bolingbrook. What, what got you to the basketball court? What got you to Bolingbrook Community Basketball? Well, a couple of things, but but uh, I am going to step back into what you were saying because uh, you 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 hit some great points, and and there's one of the things that you know even in these days of diversity conversation that we talk about wanting to have, sometimes we don't stop and talk about some of the the points that are very good. Mm, go for and, it. And and you hit some really good points, and because the stereotype now it goes back to what I said about perspective. You know, mm-hmm. the stereotype of the New Yorker. I have plenty of people that say to me, oh, I didn't know you were from New York because all they've heard about are the nasty New Yorkers. Yeah. And 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 so I don't carry myself that way. But you know what? It wasn't until I left New York that I could really see it. Mm. Uh, yeah. And see, when you're in there, you don't see it because it's just the way of life. So my my little mantra became once I left New York, I said, well, you know what? New York people in other places think New Yorkers react because that's the speed that we were going at. And I, and while I was there, I never noticed it. But mm. once I got out, I definitely saw. Uh, so those of you who have those, um, um, you know, that stereotype about New Yorkers, go on and keep it. It's legit. But you've got to meet a New Yorker. See, you know, that's that's the one thing that we all have to realize about stereotypes is that they're based on somebody else's experience other than ours. Absolutely. So, yeah. When we take the time to meet someone individually, that can change things. Yeah. And um, and so that that's the beauty. And and so I and again, meanwhile, I definitely agree. Bolingbrook, I used to tell people I live in a model community. I mean, it was such a wonderful mixture. And uh, and, you know, and I, I really was comfortable with Bolingbrook from the day I moved in there mm-hmm. totally. So uh, but, but what made me go to coaching? Well, then I said, well, hey, I want to get involved with the community. Because mm-hmm. when I see relocation is an interesting thing, you know, you it, it requires you that, you, you know, you really have to do some introspection when you relocate because you have to change your life. You know, how am I going to meet people? What am I going to do? What vibe am I giving off? Yeah. Well, when I moved to Washington, D.C., I I had almost no social involvement with okay. the community. You know, um, I was just working. And when so when I moved to Chicago, I said, I'm not going to do my relocation the same way I did in D.C. Uh, I wanted to get involved. So that's what made me decide to get involved with BCB, with Bolingbrook Community uh, Basketball. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, it was the same thing for me when I when I joined. It was just about getting involved with the community. And uh, little did I know it was dra- it was ch- going to change my life for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the first day I met you or, or saw you even before we met. Uh, as as you know, our beloved coach at give her a shout out. That's Gail right. Gra- Gail Grasky mm-hmm. was my assistant coach, and we nicknamed her Coachette. Right, <laughs> but she and I were uh, were at the tryouts, and you know, watching everybody go through the exercises because that's what they would do. Is the coaches would come, and all the kids who were going to be trying out for teams, uh, and 
you know, hey, we take him for stuff for granted here. But when you can play community league basketball, everybody comes to the tryout and they go through exercises. Right. And uh, so you don't you're not trying out for a specific team. You're just actually showing what you've got. And then the coaches will actually draft the kids. It's, it's, it's a really nice organization. Yeah. So uh, Coach Ed and I are there watching the play, you know, watching everybody go through things. And Dan comes out. <laughs> He's got on these red sneakers. <laughs> red is Dan. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. And it, and it was so cool, you know, because it, it was eye catching. So it yeah. caught us. But then he's got this great fall away jump shot just, on, you know, on the sidelines, you know, but outside outside the, the um, free throw box, we just just a you know, nice yeah. fall back on each spot. Yeah. And so we were like, hmm, we like this kid. <laughs> I appreciate it. And that was back in the day. I was wearing red shoes before red shoes were cool. All right. right. I think I think Bozo the Clown was the only other guy that was wearing red shoes back in those days. I'm going to age myself. But but, right. but nowadays, red shoes. I mean, if you're not wearing colored shoes, you're you're. You're not normal, right? So right. I appreciate yeah. you show, yeah. pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, and you know we could we uh, see now one thing with with the way I coach, we also saw the poise that you had. Yeah. See, because that was a you know, when I started my coaching. Actually, I started um, coaching seventh grade, mm-hmm. and and I I name and the funny thing is I I uh, right now I'm on contract with the military. I do weekend seminars with families going through the deployment cycle. So I had an engagement uh, just recently. Okay. And I started talking to them about my coaching. And so I, I was, so I told them how my first year coaching seventh grade, I named my team, the controllers. And, and I, and I said to them, it's a bunch of seventh grade. I said, look, right now, this doesn't mean as much to you, but control is going to be really important in your life as you mature and go forward. I said, so what we're going to do in the huddle, whereas everybody else is screaming, we're going to put our hands in that huddle and push down like we were a train moving into the station and just go, shh, control because we're going to control the game. Wow. We lost all 13 of our games <laughs> by 10 points or more. <laughs> wow. Wow. God God really does have a sense of humor just just yes. in that example alone. <laughs> and but but here's the beauty of it all and and this is one of the things that I would end up passing on to you. See yeah. that, so you, now you can know where the genesis came from. Mm-hmm. Once I did that it's important for a coach to learn. And and so I was coaching these kids, but they just taught me hmm. that at that age, you know, I'm talking, oh, you need to be in control, but they were seventh graders. Yeah. What they needed to do was scream, yeah, let's go. You know, that's what they needed. Hmm. And so when my next year came, which is when I ended up meeting Coachette, was when I coached eighth grade and I let the team name themselves. <laughs> I let them scream. <laughs> and um and they named themselves the troops. Okay. Because that was at the time of the Persian Gulf War. Oh sure. And uh in our sixteen division, we took fourth in the regular season. But by the time the playoffs came, and, and again, you know that this is how I coach. I coach for the playoffs, not the regular season. Yeah. I make sure everybody gets a chance to play during the regular season, have p- 
players in games in different situations. So it, you don't wait till you get to the championship game and your star player fouls out. And now somebody has to know what it's like to be in the game in the last two minutes. Right. So, you know, so that's what I did. And uh, we, we won, uh, we beat the third place team. We, we killed the second place team and we lost to the first place team by one point in the championship game, but that, and that's where it all started. And so, um, so by the time I got to coach you, I had a good head on my shoulders about uh, the value of, of coaching into someone's life and then taking that life into mine. That is so awesome, Sporty. It's something that I never knew about you, the genesis of it. Because when I met you, you you were calm, cool, and collected. That's for sure. At least it still came across that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I know like my freshman year uh, and my sophomore year, you were not my coach, even though we became pretty good friends. We knew you, my, my friends played for you, so we, we got to see each other a lot. And then junior year, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I don't think you were coaching or you didn't initially coach that year. <laughs> and I don't know the reason why. I may have known then, but I know half like part like halfway through the season, the coach that I had walked out. They he quit. He was sick of us. He didn't want to. In the I, for, middle of the game. In the middle of the game, right? And there was only one man that we were coming to recruit, and that was you. We didn't care where you were, what you were doing. We were getting Sporty King back on that court, and you, you graciously came to our rescue and coached us through that junior year, and then oh you stayed with us through our senior year. So I saw appreciate that <laughs> yeah, I'm cracking up laughing because you just gave me the flashback I was in the stands mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's why I know he walked out at halftime yep. I was in the stands and um Bilski's father yeah asked me to come on that's right coach. <laughs> that's right so you were trying to cheer us on to be our fan but uh that wasn't supposed to be your role we appreciated it yes but uh no that that was an awesome time I'll, I'll never forget that so with 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 that genesis and then coming into coaching basketball and then I mean just in life you know I I, 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 I some people would say well is Sporty King your life coach well you you may say that I don't know but see to me you're the coach you're my coach for life okay. all right that's what it is I know you like to play on words so you're not my life coach you're my coach for right. life I like that and yep. uh, and you you taught me especially, and I know I could speak for many, that it was more than a game of basketball. You you right. not only taught within the lines, you taught, taught outside the lines. You taught me right. not just to shoot a free throw right, but you taught me how to how to shoot a free throw in life and, and how to. So how does that, with, with your philosophy or or just your 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 thought with coaching? And winning and competing. Uh, talk a little bit about that. What, what your mm-hmm. philosophy and what how, what your approach was with that? Mm-hmm. Well, well, you, you know, actually, well, one for one, I, I it's always my belief that you should never compete against anyone. Okay. You compete. You, you compete with yourself hmm. to be better than you were the last time. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I even said, you know, when we um, w- even when we got to that championship game, when I coached uh, uh, eighth grade mm-hmm. and we lost by one point, but I ended up coaching eight more years. And when like when you say when you guys pulled me out of the stands, it's because people knew that I was never concerned 
about winning the game. I was always concerned about developing the character, which right. again, which is from when I wanted to name the, the controllers. I didn't leave that belief of how important it is for, you know, for young men, because these were boys. Yeah. And I, I didn't leave that belief of how important it was for them to have control in their lives. I just found a different way to uh, administer it. And so, um, Every year that I coached, I you know I always talked about the character, and uh, and then I, and then I appreciated the trust that your parents gave me. R remember, we had two guys on our team. Um, um, oh my gosh, um, who who Dan? Not Dan. Is it was it Dan? Mm -hmm. We we was, had a Dan, it, uh, and and his and his little brother. Uh, but they were years apart. Then they ended oh. up. Oh, you're talking about uh, Chris no. and Robert. No, no not Chris and uh, Robert. Okay. Matt. Matt. Oh, Matt and Kevin. Matt and Kevin. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, an honor. Um, their father yeah. ended up coaching. He wanted to coach his boys on the same team, but he delayed doing that one year. Mm -hmm. to give me the chance to coach them together because because they were different in age. Mm -hmm. And when Kevin caught up to where, because in high school, all the high school go from nine to 12, whereas the other grade levels, you play just, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Yeah. So again, that that um, honor that Nick, I think is, yes, yeah, Nick was the, was the father's name, that he said, you know, hey, I want to coach my boys, mm -hmm. but I appreciate how you coach mm -hmm. and I want to let them play for you one year. And so he and I talked about that the year before he ended up taking over and coaching them. You're talking so, about Matt and Kevin's dad? Yes. Uh, Ed. Ed, right? Ed. Yeah. Ed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and so again, I, I, you know, I didn't mean to correct you, but I know he's going to be listening. So. No. Yeah. Please. Thank you. Yeah. Because, you know, because since I wasn't thinking about them, you know, again, that's the thing about blessings. You don't always have to have the name of the person that blesses you. Yeah. It's important to hold on to the spirit of the person yeah. that blessed you. That's right. And they may not know how that blessing was and you might not know when it happens mm -hmm. but i believe me i used to think about stuff like that and so that really made me you know that impacted my coaching Absolutely. because i could see you know wow these parents are trusting me with their kids i'm not going to abuse that trust Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I'm not going to give them a different message that then they, you know, I, I know they may be getting some type of disciplinary message from their home sometime. I'm not going to tell, oh, no, you don't need to listen to your father or your mother. I'm going to say, oh, no, oh, wait a minute. What did they say? So what are you not doing at home <laughs> that you think that you can use basketball to get away with it? No, that's yeah. not how it goes. That's right. So, um so that really had a lot to do with my coaching. That's that's great. I, I don't know if you recall this. I, I, I don't know why I don't know too much detail about the summer, but I remember the summer in between the seasons that we all got to have the best of all worlds where where <laughs> where you and Ed got to team up and we are our teams combined and we got yes. to play summer ball. That was that was a great summer. We played ball every day. We were together every day. Uh, that was good. Man, if I could if I could go in a time castle, that that would be the summer for sure. And we we uh, we hit a hundred points that summer. That's right. Right. <laughs> That's right. 
I remember. I remember uh, Coach Ed promised, uh, you know, uh, whatever we wanted from McDonald's if we scored uh, 400. So I, I, I ordered 40 chicken nuggets just, just in her honor. Right. I mean, with eight-minute eight minute quarters we were playing. Yeah. Yeah. But oh yeah, there was no wait, you know how they say no animals no animals were hurt during this? No yeah. no defense was played <laughs> during this. That's game. right. We were we were all offensive goals. That was it. <laughs> that we was got it. it. Ah, oh, what a good game. Well, again, game. I, I, I not just appreciate your mindset on it, but your your application and how you approached the game and how you taught that character. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be who I am today without it. And I, and I so appreciate it. So from relocation, bringing, bringing you from one city to the next to, to a bowling brook out of all places, nobody probably even knows where bowling brook is on the map, but <laughs> right, it is there, right. man. And, mm-hmm. uh, and now, I mean, it, it's grown tremendously, uh, since yes. obviously, but you go from, from the wall street journal you know, to relocating and, and, and becoming a sales manager, a basketball coach, now a motivational speaker. There's a term that I, I recall you using and it's, I don't know if it's officially your tagline, but it's something I will never forget. And I think about it every day. And that is preach what you practice. Uh, I know I have said the term practice what you preach probably a million times. And mm-hmm. there, I, and I know you have some thoughts on it. I would love everybody to hear your thoughts because you really showed me just switching those words makes a huge difference. And it does. In my um, motivational speaking um, gift and ministry right now, that's what I do is I, I help people become better listeners mm-hmm. by having a, a, my creative formula for controlling your vocabulary rather than allowing your vocabulary to control you. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is hear what we say. See, and so when you, and similar to what I was saying about coaching, I have to hear myself as a coach. So practice what you preach. There are a lot of cliches that are in our lives that we don't necessarily know what they mean. We just learn them. And we just say, yeah, you need to, I practice what I preach. Well, if you, it, like it, like you say, if you turn that around to preaching what you practice, because how many times do we have, let me make it a, a real easy one. How many people give a preach, you shouldn't smoke, and then they smoke. You shouldn't drink, but they drink. See, so, you know, so that that's not practicing what you preach. Now, if you don't drink, uh, now you can say, you don't, you don't have to say you shouldn't drink, but you should say, hey, I don't drink. And, you know, and I don't think you should and give reasons. But now I'm at least preaching what I practice. Here's why I do what I do. So you can see it in my life. So many kids... Uh, you know, the, the role models that they choose, you know, actually don't live up to what the chi- what the kids choose them mm. for. Mm. And so and, and, it, and the cha- one of the challenges that you would have as a as a as a youth pastor and I have as a speaker is uh, if kids need a message, you know what somebody who would they would hire first a professional athlete because there's a team name behind them and and they're going to end up giving the kids jerseys or basketballs or you know some kind of souvenir but but they they don't really live that type of a life mm-hmm. so so that's why I you know for me it's just more important to preach what I practice because the truth is very um dear to me and so I would rather not say to you um you know you shouldn't do that in fact you used one of the terms earlier uh, and that is the term judgment. Hmm. You know, see, I I, I say to people, um, 
you know, that my prayer every day is that I become less judgmental because I know I'll never make it to be a non-judgmental. Mm. And people are, whoa, 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 you, you're saying that you're judgmental? Yes. Look, here's a cliche we use. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's judgment. Mm. Because what you're saying when you fool me once, you scam me. Mm -hmm. So now when someone else comes and they seem like they're going to scam me the same way you did, I put my wall up. That's being judgmental. And so the only thing that I can do is now being Christ, like recognize, okay, I know why my wall went up. I was judgmental. Now let me realize that this is not that person that scammed me. Let's take our time and come around the wall. Mm. So there's, so that's less judgmental. So that's what I'm saying about, if you think about practice what you preach, someone would say, and you should not be judgmental. But then that would be the same person that would say to you, hey, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, twice, shame on me. So you just have to hear what you say. And then now, so now I can qualify that judgmental by saying I preach what I practice because, you know, I know that my judgment goes up because I'm not going to get fooled again. But I know that I've got the compassion in my heart to say, okay, now let's go around the wall and treat this as an individual case going right back to, to what we said again earlier. See how it all ties together? That's right. It's perspective. Give everybody the opportunity to be who they are rather than lumping them into the stereotype that you've learned from somebody else's biased opinion from a bad, from probably one bad experience that they had. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, man, I, I knew we were going to get into some good stuff. Uh, you're, you're setting us up for part two. I know that for sure. Because uh, I know I could, I know I had a phone conversation with you about a month or two ago and we were getting into this. If that phone conversation was recorded, man, this, this would be going on because that was, that was for real. Uh, yeah. But this term, I mean, it's not just a term, but an action of preaching what you practice really, really hit me uh, then and it still hits me today. I mean, I became a, a pastor. I became a minister for youth and that, you know, teenagers can see right through anybody with, in, in a second. I mean, they, they size you up right away. They know if you're real or not. They know whether you're yes. just blowing smoke or if you're, if you really care for them. Uh, yes. and, but, but, but what I love, you know, as a teenager, you impacted my life, but then as a minister, as an adult, re, uh, ministering to teenagers, I realized that when, when you show, when you preach what you practice and you show them the way, the example, their loyalty and their love for you is second to none. And, yeah. and yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you, you, I'm sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I, I, I just say, and, and that's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting choked up just thinking that's about it. That's what I was going to say. Doesn't it get you? It gets me because, you know, oh man, it just, that. Uh, the love that I have for for all the young people that I've ever had the opportunity to lead and the and the ones that I continue to do and then, you know it 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 uh, it rolled over not just in ministry but I became a basketball coach and yes. I coached BCB basketball for for many many years and uh, I, I retired a couple years back but I, I I might I might come out of retirement eventually kind of like you did too and. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll make sure I hit the papers on back like MJ back in the day, but uh, <laughs> but it was the same thing on the basketball court, and yeah. you know, it's I love the game, you love the game of basketball, but it was more than a game; it was teaching character, and 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 those young people see 
what us as coaches, as pastors, as men, as people were, uh, were we just, we're tell them what to do, do as I say, not do as I do, or were, were they seeing it in their life? And, um, and I've tried. Uh, and I know you have, and, and, and that's it. So, and you know, another factor that, uh, you know, I really commend you in, in, in thinking, as I've learned about you over the years uh, in, in adulthood, I, I, did, I, I thought I knew you so well as a teenager, right? <laughs> and a little did I know, but you are a great man of faith. Uh, oh, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it bubbled over you in just your personality and your vocabulary, but it, it, it's more than that, it's your heart. And yes. how has your faith um, not just helped you through your life, but mm-hmm. really influenced all these thoughts and, and actions that you take every day? Well, you know, let me give you a double answer on that or yeah. one and a half. And, and that is to first say to you as a coach and a, and a youth pastor, um, when I spoke with my last military audience and I told them that you were going to be interviewing me, mm-hmm. I, I told them how much of a blessing that was. So, you know, to have, you know, a kid that I used to coach who has now become my friend as an, as an immature adult and now is going to interview me, I would, cause I was saying to them how important it is for them to embrace their blessings. And, and so what I'm saying to you too, is because I know you talked about how, well, I'm, I know I'm coaching and I'm doing this. I, hope I'm infecting some of these kids. Let me tell you, you are. You absolutely are. And that's the, because that's also the blessing and the, that you give me with what we're doing. See, so see, this is preaching what you practice. That's right. You know, and so, and so believe me, I am totally honored. And, and in scripture, uh, Matthew 13, uh, three through eight, it's, it's one of my favorite. And that's where where Jesus is talking about how uh, he, he, he tells the farmers to throw the seed. And and he and as he's explaining to the disciples, he, he tells them there are four options for those seeds. He, and he guarantees the four options. And watch this. It's not until the fourth option. Do you get the guarantee that you want to hear? Because he says, first, some will land on hard ground and not prosper. Some will land in thorns and then get wilted out. Some will land on okay ground and then uh, grow a little bit. Then when it gets too hot, they won't take germination. And then some will land on fertile ground Mm -hmm. and and reap a harvest. And but but so that see, that's the one you want. But he doesn't give you that option. uh, That's option four. The point is, he says, throw the seed. Mm -hmm. Your job is not to stand there and decide. Don't he didn't say measure and aim the seed, throw the seed. What's your message? Be who you are. And that because then at the end and and then in Matthew 13 and nine, he says those who are willing to hear and listen something to those who are willing to hear and listen, uh, more understanding will come. I don't mm-hmm. quote the Bible always. I use it because I love the sure. principles in it. But what is he saying there? Again, he doesn't say, like we said earlier, uh, excuse me, I'm the Messiah. Get over. He says, uh, did you get that message? No. Okay. Well, let me see if I give it to you another way. No, didn't get it. Look, I, I, I'll i be back later, but maybe you're not one of mine. Yeah. And so, so, you know, and so, so that's, so that's the way I live. I know that I don't have to, I'm not responsible for getting everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, God gives us an assignment. He knows who we're here to deliver the message to. And if you get caught up in saying, no, I want to get that person. I want that person to change their life, mm. turn their life around. That might not be the person that God has assigned to you. Mm. Maybe your assignment was to prepare the way for whomever is supposed to get that person. And you can see plenty of examples of that throughout the Bible. There's always someone who's, even Jesus said, John the Baptist came to prepare the way. That's right. You know, so so that's how I live, knowing that I, I don't take that responsibility that I have to reach everybody. And that gives me the freedom to be who God really wants me to be, which I find out as I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know. <laughs> well, what a what a great what a perfect example of uh, explaining um, and tying this all together. You have definitely prepared the way for me, and and I appreciate you prepared the way for others. And uh, as you said, it was an honor to interview you. It was an honor to to interview you. This was this was a treat, and I think you set us up for for the next for the next show, uh, the next part two. I don't know when that'll okay. be, but yeah, okay. I wanna I wanna get into this whole judgment. We li- we live in a world full of judgment and it and i it i don't want to get started now because we're going to conclude in a second but we we live in a world that i i never thought being at my age now it was going to be worse than it was i thought we were on the up and up i thought it was it was gonna i mean i didn't even experience you know prior to me in my father's generation and my grandfather's generation the the judgment the 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 uh the hate hatred the, the racism and all that stuff that came with it and now we're in 2020 and we're we're experiencing it more than ever i don't know but it's 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 too much it's it's even if it's uh, an ounce it's too much and uh, we might have to just get into that next time because i know you okay. you have some thoughts on it and i know i have some thoughts on it and and i hope we can <laughs> yes. help people because uh, you should yeah. never judge a book by its cover exactly but you know what let's conclude with this what uh, with with saying all this sporty What's one thing you want to leave our audience? If there's something that they you, that you want to stick with them um, to remember this conversation, what is it? Well, it, even if you look at what we how we talked about so many things and brought it all together, um, that is, I believe that life is about going from one puzzle to the next, hmm. and you're either a small, medium, or large piece of every puzzle in your family, social or business interactions. But no matter what puzzle piece size you see yourself as, without you, the puzzle is incomplete. Mm. So, you know, if someone thinks, well, I'm, you know, I'm not that important, I'm just a small piece, yeah, but you know what, if there's 5 million pieces in that puzzle and your small piece isn't there, that puzzle is called incomplete. Mm -hmm. So just um, always see yourself as an important piece of every puzzle in your life. Amen. That's right. You can find Sporty King at SportyKing.com. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. I believe most of your handles is The Sporty King. You are The Sporty King for sure. Um, I so appreciate you being on and, and sharing with us all your uh, your wisdom. Um, I want to conclude with this. I want to ask you to pray. Um, just kind of pray us out. And uh, it's just something I, I love. Uh, I've done it not just in church. Um, I've done it on the basketball court, always with my team. We always pray out. Um, okay. so, so, Coach, will you pray us out? Absolutely. Lord, it's me again, Sporty. And I'm here with someone who you also know by first name and by nickname, 
sip. And so as you allow us to not change our names, but to be named in your honor, we thank you for the possibilities that we offer others as they offer us those same blessings and joy into our lives. Because grace is something that you pass out to each individual for them to pass out collectively. And I believe that we have collectively um, brought some of that grace toward our steps and you have put some of it there for us. And we have just been smart enough to recognize what you have set before us and then use it to your best advantage. So now we hope that whomever this message was for or whomever we open the gate for to get the message to someone else will receive it and it will continue to go forward and flourish because again, we are throwing the seeds, we're not aiming them and we're expecting a full harvest. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Coach, thank you so much for that beautiful prayer. Um, thank you for joining me today. Um, for all of you that are watching, you could go to my website, sitministries.org, um, to get more information or contact me. You could follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Sit Ministries. But thank you again for tuning in. I hope you tune in next week. But until then, keep on pressing on towards the goal.